What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take a 20. I want to take a second and just really thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast, sharing the podcast, giving me notes. Like, I honestly really do appreciate it. Yesterday or the day before that was the first time I actually looked at the analytics of this podcast. And I realized that um, this is pretty popular in Brisbane. So, uh, to my Australian brothers, thank you guys for listening to the pod and spreading it out there. I really do appreciate that. Um, it's it's really crazy to see that it's starting to grow really more so of an international fan base rather than domestic. It's, it's actually quite cool. I, I like it a lot. So to everybody who has been sharing the pod and spreading the word like this, this is a lot to do with your guys's help. So I really do appreciate it. Um, but without further ado, let's just get right into the pod. There's just a few different things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, first, starting off with the Trey Young slash James Harden rule. I know everybody's calling it the James Harden rules, but in my opinion, it only became an issue once Trey Young really started manipulating the refs and trying to get foul calls that really weren't fouls and should have been called as offensive fouls. Um, it's it's definitely affecting both players. Uh, Trey Young is definitely struggling. He's he's still like he's a great offensive player, so he's still going to figure out ways to score. But he's not getting to the line the way that he used to um, in seasons past. Thankfully, to these rule changes, um, I know him and Kyle Kuzma had a bit of a back and forth, and there's some reporters out there that are saying that. The NBA needs to look at these rules and change them just because it's allowing big men to bully guards. All right, well, just get your guard off of the block. Don't allow him to switch onto a power forward. Simple as that. That's that's really all it is. So for those reporters that are saying things like that, it's just like, no, just it's part of basketball. They're switching. And... The fact that now a power forward can actually move his opponent rather than being called for the offensive foul immediately, it it's definitely leveling out the playing field. So, yeah, when people say like it's a lot more enjoyable to watch the game now, it honestly is because it's not being stopped every two minutes or two seconds rather with ticky-tack fouls, fouls that really shouldn't be called, fouls that are no calls or just players embellishing the contact. So it's, it's really a good thing that these rules are in place. Now, the one thing that I do have to say is Trey Young is still getting foul calls. James Harden, on the other hand, he's getting hacked sometimes. And he's not getting the foul calls, which is very, very shocking and alarming to me. That's something that the NBA should be concerned about and start maybe start talking to the refs and say, like, hey, just if you see a foul, like James Harden said in in his uh, post-conference interview uh, or, uh, yeah, post-presser of one of the games, it he was just saying, like, I just asked the refs, like, if you see a foul, like, call the foul. As simple as that, if if James Harden is 
getting hacked. He needs to be getting the foul call. There's still plays where Trey Young is initiating the contact, which is completely fine, but there's certain fouls that he's still getting called that really he shouldn't have. Um, James Harden, on the other hand, it, it seems like he's getting the Paul George treatment, no matter how hard. And Paul George, Blake Griffin, like there's there's quite a few. Zion Williamson is another one. There's a handful of players, maybe two handfuls of players, that are constantly getting hacked, getting fouled, and don't get those calls for whatever reason. James Harden is now falling in that category, and it's it's not good. It's definitely something that the NBA needs to look at and keep monitoring because if it continues like this, it could be like I get where people are coming from and saying like guards could end up getting hurt. It just players in general can end up getting hurt with this kind of um, refereeing. It really needs to be looked at. Um, I am a, a huge fan of the new rule change, but it's just a matter of like you know if if it's a foul, call the foul. Don't just look at the player and say, "Oh, they're probably initiating the contact." Actually, watch the play. Like don't don't just go quickly to assume that just because it's James Harden, Zion Williamson, or Paul George them falling down or getting hacked doesn't count like it it absolutely does count it should count and these players should be going to the line you know it it's really honestly ridiculous that Draymond Green is still getting like he's getting his his foul calls and I don't see anything different in terms of how players hack Draymond in turn in the way that they had Harden other than it's a little bit rougher with Harden so yeah the refs need to continue to like I don't like giving refs a hard time but this is something that they really need to get under control and you know the sooner the better because this isn't something that can really continue past December it it just it it really can't if it does then i think that it would be a really really bad look for the league i think that it would be another situation over the summer where maybe the players association association talks with the owners association and the nba at large and tries to come to uh, an agreement on how this rule can be uh, amended and uh, changed in in slightest fashions because it, like I said, it is a good rule change, but it's something that the officials they're they're new to it, so I think that they'll get used to it eventually. But if it, like I said, if it continues past December, then that's when you they will realize or we'll all realize that it might be a little bit of an issue. Now, moving on, I wanted to talk about Damian Lillard's comments on uh, not wanting to join a super team. That was something very, um, very surprising to me. I love how Lillard is just so open and just 
lays it all out there. He doesn't, he says what he means and he means what he says. But him saying um, his Achilles heel might be um, not joining a super team. So it's, it's really interesting that he would publicly say something like that. I understand saying it behind closed doors just because, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, it, it probably is his Achilles heel of not wanting to join up with other superstars, but rather bring the superstars to Portland, which is a very hard task. Um, they were on their way. I feel like once they had Carmelo, but, you know, of course he left to the Lakers. I just felt like they really had something building there. I'm a firm believer that CJ needs to be traded. It's, it's just going to be the best thing for Lillard, for CJ. I think CJ is good enough to run his own team. Um, but it's just like they, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's completely off. So to have him and Lillard in the same backcourt, um, not only on, like, CJ is decent defensively. Lillard, um, he's okay. But I just I just wish, or really I want to see Lillard be paired with somebody who's just a little bit higher talent level-wise um, than a CJ McCollum. He deserves it. CJ is on a contending team. Even though I'm saying like CJ can lead his own team, he's more than capable of doing that. But is it, would it be a team that would be contending for a championship? No. Uh, would they be making the playoffs? Depending on the supporting cast, they, I could see them making the playoffs or making a good push for the playoffs. Um, but I'm, I've always said this trade, I don't know if it makes too much sense, but like a CJ for Bradley Beal, there's some other numbers that need to be involved in that. Um, and that's to say that Bradley Beal would want to trade. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just a firm believer that the Dame CJ combination just has run its course and it's not to say like they don't like each other or don't like playing together. I'm sure that they do. I'm sure that they really like each other and like playing together. But I think that that's, that relationship has run its course and both players need to be paired up with somebody new. Um, a CJ with Spencer Dinwiddie is something very interesting. Dame with Beal, I think everybody would love to see that. Just two superstars that everybody's been begging to be paired with another superstar. Those two playing off of each other, I feel, would be really good. Their defense would steeply decline on the wings, but their offense would definitely take an upkick. Um, but that's that's a, neither here nor there because I don't think that that trade is on the table or is going to ever be discussed, to be quite frank. Um but with Lillard saying these things, it's it's almost solidifying him staying with the Blazers long term, um, really for for the entirety of his career. 
I don't see him actually ending up demanding a trade. So everybody saying like free Dame Lil, I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think that he wants it to happen anytime soon. So Damian Lillard is going to be a Portland Trailblazer for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. Just my opinion. Um, but, you know, he do I think that he would be very beneficial for a whole lot of teams, i.e. the 76ers? 100%. Um, him going to New York would be a huge game changer. Him ending up in New Orleans would be a huge game changer. Like, it's there's so many different scenarios that people have thrown out there about Lillard. But now with him coming out with these comments, I think by far and large, he's he's not going to request a trade. And just it's not in his DNA to turn tail and run. He's he's somebody who, like, if it's if it's tough, you know, he's he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that his team is able to win. So got to respect it. Um, it. It sucks. It somewhat sucks just because you do want to see these great players compete on the highest levels um, for continuous series. So I I don't know how it'll shake up. Um, like I did with the season predictions is like I'm pretty sure I said that the the Blazers would end up falling out due to the play-in round, and the Grizzlies would move in. So, actually, that's a good transition there because just want to talk about my three early surprises of the season. Um, that's really all I needed to say about Lillard's comments. Just shows that he's he's locked in for the long haul with the Blazers, which is a good thing for Blazers' ownership to hear, the Portland fan base to hear. But, you know, Neil O'Shea really needs to start getting on his job and making these deals to bring some more talent around Lillard. You know, just it it needs to happen. Neil O'Shea, I know, can absolutely do it. He was with the Clippers before he moved on to Portland. It was something that I was very concerned about when it initially happened. Uh, we survived until we got Lawrence Frank in that position. So it's, it's something that Neil O'Shea, I, I fully believe in his talents to bring in like talented players and build out a really good team. It's just a matter of him getting a little bit more bold with uh, the moves that he does, you know. Nurkic might be somebody that needs to move as well. So it it is what it is. It's not something that I'm sure the Blazers want to do, but it's probably something that they'll have to do at some point in time. Um, but yeah, like I said, moving on, the three early surprises of the season. Starting off with the Grizzlies, their early success is very, very shocking to me. I didn't think that they were going to be this good this fast. I thought it was going to kind of take a little bit, like maybe the first couple of, um, yeah, like kind of a couple of months to really get their 
feet under them, but they've just come out the gates blazing. And with John Morant going off, like he's playing, he played an all-star level last season. This season, he's leaving no doubt in anybody's mind that he deserves to be an all-star. So that was actually very surprising to me. I didn't think I knew that John Morant was going to come out trying to prove himself, which I'm extremely happy about. John Morant, really, by the end of this season or next season, he's going to be in that top five point guard conversation. Um, you know, just due to the fact of him continuously getting better, the top five point guards at this time are going to start declining for example like the Chris Paul Kyrie Irving Russell Westbrook Dame Lillard Steph like those players are all getting older Dame is probably going to stay in that category Steph can probably stay in that category but players like Russ CP and Kyrie specifically just because we don't know when Kyrie is going to come back or if he's going to come back um so those three are going to start slipping and within the next season or two they'll they'll kind of fall out of that top five so John Morant is 100% ready and primed to slip in there and become one of those top five point guards in the league a lot of people are comparing him to Russ and um, D Wade like or not D Wade uh, D Rose I do see a little bit of D-Wade in him, just in terms of his bounce and his aggressiveness at going towards the rim. But, you know, he he has a really, really good shot to be an amazing, amazing point guard in this league. I'm really excited to see what he develops into. And then also something that I was very surprised about is the Knicks retaining their defensive identity. I didn't think that they were going to still play as hard on the defensive end as they did last season just because of, one, fatigue, um, them not wanting to go full force in the beginning of the season, but also because of Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. I thought that they were both going to be quite big glaring holes in their defense. Um, They... They haven't been as of late. Evan Fournier has definitely stepped up his defensive, um, yeah, his defensive presence. Kemba Walker is trying his best, which is all that you can really ask. So, you know, the Knicks. I'll, I'll admit it when I'm wrong. Like, I was gonna say, I said in the beginning that the Knicks were not gonna be good. Every indication now is showing that they're going to be really good. Probably still ending up in that 4-5 or five seed, kind of like where they ended up last season. I think they ended up 6 last season. But, yeah, the, the Knicks are legit. Um, I was wrong about them. We'll be openly admitting that. And... Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very surprised that they they kept their defensive identity and have this really amazing offense that's being run by Kemba. It's, it's very it's very nice to see. I know everybody says that the NBA is the best when the Knicks are good. I've never seen the Knicks good. Um, 
who's born in 93 and been watching basketball ever since. Not a single moment did I think that the Knicks were a, uh, a good basketball team. So I guess this will be my first experience with the Knicks being a good team. And, you know, so far it, it is honestly very entertaining. I I hear people saying, like, the energy in MSG is at an all-time high, and it just feels like the old days of MSG, which is great for those New York fans. I understand going through dark days as a Clipper fan. This It's not fun going to games and, you know, you're more so going to the game to check out some of the other team's best players rather than going to the game thinking that your team is going to win, you know? So I understand that pain. I'm glad that they're, I'm happy for them that they're out of those dark days and on to brighter futures. Um, And then my second surprise is actually the Suns' slow start to the season. I knew that DeAndre Ayton's, um, mental would play into the way that he continued to go about his play time. He's playing on the court. Um, He's doing a lot more complaining. He's doing, he's honestly doing certain things that I've, I've never seen him do before, like pulling up from mid range. Um, That he's just, he's thinking about his money and that's, that's completely justified. I was expecting that out of, out of him just due to the way that things shaked out with the contract discussions. But I didn't think that it would result in the Suns getting off to such a slow start. Um, in games, they honestly don't look that great. It's It seems like they're, they've kind of lost who they were last season. Everybody is saying like last season was a fluke and an aberration. I don't think so. I think that they just really believed in themselves this season. I don't see that same belief in themselves and as well as amongst their teammates. I don't see the same level of trust that I saw last season, this season, which is very surprising and shocking to me. Um, I don't know what they can do to fix it, but that's something that they'll have to keep an eye out on for pretty much the entire season. Um, and just very quickly, uh, because that's that's pretty much all I have to say about the, the Sun situation. There's, there's not too much to say about it because, you know, they put themselves in this position with paying everybody but DeAndre Ayton. So it's, it's going to be a battle for his teammates is going to be a battle for the coach to just keep him locked in and focused rather than being like, all right, well, um, he's probably thinking like a small portion of his brain is probably thinking like, you know, my time in here is over. I need to audition for my next destination. So with him having that kind of attitude, we see it with multiple players you know, as they don't get that rookie contract extension or any contract extension, they start playing outside of their role, kind of. And it's it's completely justified because they were expecting and deserved to be paid by the franchise that they were currently with 
though that franchise, for whatever reason, decided that they were not worth that kind of money. It's, it's very, very interesting. And then also the Suns have a lot on their hand. Maybe this owner is a lot more than a lot more similar to Donald Sterling than I had initially given him credit for. Um, but, you know, the investigation is still ongoing, so I'm not going to make any solid claims. But, you know, not only do other executives dislike the Phoenix Suns owner, but they also like players dislike him. Players that have played for his franchise dislike him. So it all with all that being said, there there might be some truth to this story. I'm not gonna incriminate him and demonize him uh right off the bat just because of the allegations. But it definitely like it 100% would fit in his character from what I have gathered about him. Now, the last thing that I do want to talk about is the Lakers. Um, I kind of wanted to avoid this topic just because some people think that I'm a Laker hater. Um, I'm really not. But this situation with the Lakers now is starting to get to get to a boiling point, you know, like I, for them to have the kind of meltdown that they did against Oklahoma is very, very concerning. If you're a Laker fan, you should be worried about this. It's not time to hit the panic button yet, but this is definitely something to worry about. The simple fact that they were up by 30 points and then lost the game in a very unfortunate and dramatic fashion for Russ to explode the way that he did at the end of the game, Dwight and AD going at it over on the bench. Like, there's just, there's already cracks showing in the Lakers' armor, and it's, it's not good. It's something that they really need to address now before it becomes a bigger issue further down the line because it just doesn't seem like too many people within that team are happy. You know, it, if these players were enjoying themselves, having a good time, like, winning does help a lot. But... It just seems like there's there's something wrong with the chemistry with this team. It doesn't seem like they're really gelling the way that everybody expected them to, especially with them all being veteran players. That was something like chemistry was something that was so far away from my mind of being an issue for the Lakers. I thought that they were going to be one of the best teams out there chemistry wise in terms of like pretty much all these players played on the U.S. national team together. They know how to play off each other. They know how to maximize each other's talents. But for whatever reason, it's it's not translating onto the court. It seems to be causing some issues on the bench. And, you know, these these injuries, like, hopefully they're getting bit by the injury bug early, and then throughout the rest of the season they stay healthy. But... You know, the, the injuries that they're dealing with are kind of long-term. Trevor Reza with the knee, 
that's going to be something that they're going to be very, very careful with or should be very careful with when he's coming back. Um, THT with his thumb ligaments that are torn. I'm sure that that's something that they they won't be too cautious with it just because he's he's young, dude. He should be able to recover from that fairly quickly. I think the the rest of the time or his uh, remaining recovery time is about four weeks or so, I believe. Um, that's when his surgery should be like um, and the repair should be fully healed by that time. Um I believe I'm not 100% certain on that. I need to double check on that, but I'm I'm pretty sure that he only has like four more weeks until that's completely healed and he'll be able to get back into practice and start doing contact drills. But even then that's with it being like a hand, I'm sure that they're going to be able to just throw him in uh quite quickly. But in terms of Ariza with his knee, it's it's going to take some time for them to eventually bring him back into the fold um can Avery Bradley uh take care of that role in the meantime I think Avery Bradley is one of the most underrated and underappreciated players out there and um but he he is getting older and he is getting a bit slower on defense his shot has significantly gone away so, do I think that he can fill the role of THT and Trevor Reza within this time? I don't, but, you know, THT is on his way back, so can Bradley somewhat supplement Ariza's production? He can try. You know, he can try. He can. He's still an NBA player. He's still a decent defender. It's just when his offensive game has just kind of gone away, unfortunately. But, you know, Laker fans definitely should be worrying. Um, Not panicking. Not panicking yet. Like I said, this team isn't going to get off to a quick start. But losing to a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder in the fashion that they did, everybody should be worried. To say that you shouldn't be worried is foolish, but you should not be panicking. Shouldn't be panicking at all. Like I said, if if the Lakers from this point go 0-5 or really go, like, let's say they lose the next three games straight, then you sh- Laker Nation should be panicked. And more likely than not, a whole lot of trades are going to start happening. But I I really believe that they're going to be able to turn this around. They're all, like I said, it's a team full of vets. They're going to figure it out, um, hopefully. I mean, this there's, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to figure this out. They're, they're all very talented players. That, like I said, they all played on Team USA together. So they should be able to figure this out. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to figure this out. And, you know, we'll we'll have to see what happens with the Lakers moving forward. I 
believe their next game is tomorrow. Um, let's check really quick who they are actually going to play. Or if it's today. No, it is today. They play Cleveland. Yeah. Laker fans. I mean, not Laker fans. Clipper fans know about Cleveland now. That's for sure. That was, that was an embarrassing loss. But, you know, this this is a chance for the Lakers to turn around. They're only 2-3, and three, so it's it's the early part of the season. The Timberwolves are 4-1. and one. Or not 4-1, and one. they're like 3-1, and one, I believe. Yeah, they're 3-1. and one. So, this, this is the early part of the season. It's totally fine for teams to still be learning themselves or getting off to starts that are unexpected, you know? So... I think that the Lakers have more than enough time to turn it around. I think then that the next couple of games that they have are actually fairly, not fairly easy, but they, they're all games that they should win. So it's like they play Cleveland tonight, Houston on the 31st, Houston again on the 2nd of November. So yeah, they, they're going to, they're going to be able to go on a winning streak. Then they play Oklahoma again. I'm sure that they're going to be pissed about that and want to redeem themselves. And then Portland. So, like, they they have a chance to end up going on, like, a four- to five-game winning streak, um, depending on how, how well Portland is in a really – it's is really dependent on the Lakers' injuries. It's like half their roster is is injured at this point, and it's it's not good, not good. Um, it's nice to see that Melo is stepping up in LeBron's absence and being that uh, secondary offensive option. But you know, Russ needs to be better. AD needs to be better. I know that AD is dealing with a, a knee issue, which is very scary. Um, hate hate seeing that, especially with AD. That's AD, Demarcus Cousins, Greg Oden. Like, there's so many players I can go on and on and on about big men and knee problems, and it it just breaks me every single time I see it. So. I really hope that AD is able to bounce back from that and and continue to play to his full potential and be be the player that everybody knows that he can be. Not Tim Duncan on steroids, but he's he's pretty pretty damn good. But yeah. With that being said, Laker fans, don't panic. Your worry is justified, but do not panic. Your team is going to be perfectly fine. Like, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, because that that was a that was a crazy, crazy meltdown. But you know, you're you're in the same boat with us Clipper fans. You know, it's it's not a good place to be. But hopefully, both of us are sailing towards better, better horizons. Oh man. But yeah, with that being said, 
we'll call it an episode. Um, again, thank you everybody who's listening to the pod. If this is your first time, been listening since the beginning, it's all the same. I appreciate you guys all the same. Um, it's it's just so so crazy to see where this podcast is reaching and who's listening to it. Um, maybe I'll have to start talking about the NBL <laughs> as well. Um, just so I can be more inclusive to my audience. But yeah, again, thank you guys so much for listening to this, allowing me to share my opinions with you guys. You guys DM me and sometimes we will disagree, but we'll, it's always a respectful debate, which is really, really nice. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. There'll be another episode on Monday. That one, um, you guys know I'm a huge fan of the WNBA, huge supporter of like women basketball athletes. And um, I think I might want to talk about uh, Lucy. I don't know if anybody knows who Lucy is, um, but we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more uh in the next pod yeah yeah i'll i'll talk about the the athletes that have inspired me and some of the some of my favorite interviews um that have really inspired me to go down this path of being a a podcaster and uh sportscaster I guess um but yeah with that being said oh before I go big shout out to Matt Barnes and JJ Reddick both ending up with different um roles but JJ with ESPN and now Matt is with uh the Sacramento Kings part of the broadcasting crew which is amazing to see i love seeing those guys get the get that opportunity It's beyond deserved earned and honestly a bit overdue uh especially in jj's case jj has been doing his thing since he was with the clippers um don't know how he had the time to do that go to the gym as long as he was going to the gym leaving at like 5 a.m and having time for his kids, being the ultimate performer that he was and still doing a podcast on top of all of that. Like, dude's a genius. He's a workaholic and, you know, ESPN is very fortunate to have him. Matt Barnes is the same way. Somebody who's always, always inspired me. Extremely hard worker and, you know, when he, <laughs> when he throws on his white voice, it was, oh man, at that moment, I knew I was like, "Yep, Matt. Matt is gonna go big places." So, huge congratulations to both of them. Really wish them nothing but the best. I know that their careers are gonna continue to grow, and you know, um, I'm all here for it and love to see it. So, big congratulations to both of them. But that being said, I'm gonna get out of here. See you guys at the next episode. Peace.
Oh, also, make sure to enjoy your weekend. It's a beautiful, if you're in Southern California, it's absolutely beautiful out. We're going to start dealing with some colder weather, so enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the heat while it lasts. Have your last beach days, because cold weather is coming. (laughs) But yeah, I'm out of here. Peace.